Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Vince. And I'm Ashley. And we are the lead pastors of the Outlet Community Church. And wherever you are in the world, our heart is to add value to your life. That's right. Whether it's an encouraging word, whether it's a topic in the Bible, whether it's a life skill that you're looking to develop and hone in on, allow us to be an outlet for you. Yes, and our prayer is that wherever you are, whether you're right here in service or you're out in the world in the nation, listen, our prayer is that God meets you right where you are. We all have needs, we all have things, but our God is able and he's able to bless you and get you where you need to be. We have hundreds of hours of digital content that is available for you to consume yes. free of charge. Freely we receive, freely we want to give <laughs> it back to you. So make it a point to check out our page, check out our website at the yeah. Outlet Community. Dot com and you'll be able to find countless hours of videos, podcasts, and other material to help you grow in your walk with God. Hey, if you like some of the content, like, subscribe, share it, and we'd love that. <laughs> See your family and friends. So open up your heart and get ready to receive all that God has for you. Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. And for the next few weeks, uh, Ashley and I are going to be spending time talking about relationships. And before we get into marriage and dating and all the other fun things that go along with relationships from a biblical perspective, how many know we need to deal with the basics mm -hmm. on how to relate to one another, mm -hmm. on how to interact with each other? How do we interact with the Lord? Mm -hmm. How do we interact with ourselves? And really this comes as we're introducing and really reintroducing a small group culture within our church where people are going to be doing life together. They're going to be opening up and, you know, beginning to build authentic relationships. We want to go back and make sure that we have all of the basics down. So for yes. those who've learned them, consider this a refresher. And for those where this may be new information, really commit to a journey and a life of growing, learning, and developing. And you're never too early and never too young to learn the fundamentals of relationship because those who are older will tell you there's a whole lot of things that they wish they knew when they were a lot younger. They wouldn't have made some of the mistakes, mistakes. that they made. Some of y'all might have had different parents, and you're not even going to go there right now, but you understand <laughs> there might have been some things we might have done differently had we known better, and if we know better, that means we should do, do better. better. All right, all right. Proverbs chapter 4 Verse 23, and I'll be reading from the New King James Version because this helps us to really articulate our point for this particular series. Proverbs 4 and 23 in the New King James Version, it says, Keep your heart with all diligence, 
For out of it springs the issues of life. If I had to accurately describe relationships, marriage, dating, life, parenting, working, living, there are two words that come to mind. It's complicated. How many of you would agree that everything is not cookie cutter and everything is not as black and white? There is no one size fits all when it comes to the relationships of life. Have you lived a little while to understand that that is the case? It's complicated. Yes. And so with all humility, we are making the earnest effort to be able to give you the wisdom of God and not tell you what to do and tell you how to think. We want to teach you how to think and learn how to access the wisdom of God for your context and your season of life. I'm reminded of when I played basketball. I was an athlete, I promise. And the first, don't see, all right. The first two weeks of basketball practice to probably one of the best basketball teams I ever, ever played for, my coach did not bring out a basketball. In fact, for two whole weeks, all we did was condition, running, sprinting, all types of drills without basketball. So much so, around a week and a half into it, we were wondering, <laughs> did we sign up for the right sport? But slowly over time, our coach then introduced defensive skills. Mm -hmm. And after he introduced defensive skills, he then introduced the three-man weave. Anybody familiar with the three-man weave? And the basketball could not touch the floor. Mm. After he introduced the three-man weave, he then introduced the layup line and layup drills. And after he introduced the layup line and layup drills, he then had us working on free throws to perfection. Mm. Now, I was skilled in my day in the arcade game of NBA Jam and in, in video games, NBA Live, 1996, 97, 98. Listen, y'all understand. <laughs> I was skilled in what I knew was basketball, and that, to me, wasn't it. Until the coach explained his methodology or his method to his madness. He said, you understand that if you want to do anything great in any type of sport, you need to be in great condition. And you have to understand that if you're ever going to be a great team, that defense wins championships. But you understand that when you play good defense, you get a lot of steals, which means that you need to learn how to push the ball up the court in a fast break. So we introduced the three-man weave. If you do the three-man weave well, you're going to get layups. If you keep going to the hoop each and every time, you're going to get fouled. So you need to have your free throws. He said, it's the little things yes. that win championships. It's getting good in the basics yeah. that make you an all-star caliber team. Mm. And today, if we desire to live and have healthy 
relationships. We must understand and we must refresh our understanding of the basics of how to relate to one another. I know some of you are like, tell me about how I can get my X, Y, and Z. Tell me about how to have a great marriage. Tell me how to be the best parent to ever walk on the face of the earth. We're going all into this complexity and we don't understand the bare minimum basic essentials to relationships. You know that story kind of reminds me, y'all ever seen Karate Kid? You remember when Mr. Miyagi had him doing the cars? What was it? Wax on, wax off. And he says, you know, I signed up to learn karate. What is this? But he found out when he went into all the way to the, the championship or he was fighting the, the guy, he was his opponent, and all of that conditioning, all of that basic stuff, came in handy when he got in the fight. And that's what God is, do, is doing to us. And that's how he trains us. He doesn't go for the hard. He goes for the little. If we can get good at the little, when we get into the fight, we are, our body is already conditioned to do what's going to help us win. Amen? So we're excited about this series. So let's go back to Proverbs chapter 4 and 23, and let's break down some key words here. Yes, so... Proverbs 23 says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. We wanted to break this down a little bit, and I don't know, do we have each word up there? We do? Okay, cool, cool. The first word we're going to break down is keep, and it means to watch, to guard, or to tend to. So that's our first option. Watch, guard, tend to your heart. Now, this is an interesting word, because it just doesn't mean what's beating inside your chest, right? But heart means your soul. Your soul encompasses your mind, how you think. Your soul encompasses your affections, what you desire. Your soul encompasses your will, and it encompasses your emotions. So all of that, we are to guard, tend to keep your soul, your mind, will, your emotions with all diligence. Now, diligence here <laughs> is confinement. Confinement. That seems real strict, don't it? It does, because it is strict. It is strict. Dis diligence refers to with discipline, mm. to not allow it to run off and run along and run amok and mm -hmm. to do its own thing, but to keep it structured and narrow. So we are to guard our souls with confinement or discipline, for out of it springs the issues of life. I literally looked up this springs, the issues. You know what that word translate? Escapes. It escapes. Now, I don't know if you've ever been somewhere, and maybe you were talking to a friend, or, you know, you were kind of relaying something that you thought you were over. <laughs> Y'all know, know where I'm going? I forgave them. I forget. You, that's over. I don't even think about that no more. But then here you go, you bring up the story, you talk, and you got all the same emotions that you had on that day. <laughs> and it brought you right back. <laughs> and so this is sometimes what our soul is encompassing. We don't always realize, is Minister Joe here? Minister Joe, she has a, she has a saying. She says, your body keeps the score. 
And I want to expound on that and say, your soul keeps the score as well. Because we want to sometimes like, well, I, I, that's behind me, but sometimes it escapes. And so when it escapes, we know, okay, there's some healing that I've got to do in that area. So we want to go into the basics of life's relationships. And I need you all to talk back to us online. Don't be sitting there eating your waffles and not talking back to me. Go ahead and get your, get your computer and phone and everything ready. But we want to have a little, little trivia time here. I want to know from you all, and feel free to talk back in the, the congregation and the audience here today. Uh, what do you all think is the number one desire of most people in relationships? What is the number one desire of most people in relationships? To share. Oh, she said love. Who agrees with that? We heard trust. We heard security. We heard honesty. We heard happiness. We heard faithfulness. Respect. I heard respect. Say it again. Honesty. Honesty. Okay. All right. Loyalty. Okay. Uh, Media team, let's see what the answer is. There was a video clip I was... There was a whole video we missed. It was... Y'all went right to the answer. Would you like to dance? Yes. Someone to care. Someone to share. Lonely hours and the moments of despair. To be loved. To be loved. Y'all, didn't th- y'all thought we weren't going to have some fun in this series? I don't know. What, what, it's Black History Month. What y'all, what y'all expect? <laughs> what, y- what you expect? <laughs> the number one desire of most people... Oh, now y'all awake. I done prayed and we didn't have worship. God, I'm in now. The number one desire of most people in relationships yes. is to, to be loved. loved. Now, the next question. What do you believe is the number one fear in most relationships? Dang, go ahead and put the answer on the screen. Y'all got that right. Yeah, rejection. rejection. Yeah. So the number one desire is to be loved. But the number one fear is to be rejected. Rejection. And when, I, when we talk about rejection, we're talking about, because um, sometimes rejection isn't blatant, is it? Sometimes, you know, we know what that feels like. That feels horrible. But sometimes it's not even being celebrated, but it's being tolerated. Does that make sense? So if I tolerate somebody, it means I will allow your presence, but I don't necessarily like your presence. And that's rejection, too. People can feel that energy. You know what I'm saying? Celebrated means I see your difference, and yes, it's very different from mine, but I appreciate what you bring to the table. I value that difference. It's a very totally opposite emotion of what tolerating brings out of people. Let's add some Bible to it. Let's go to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. So let's see this actually played out within the context of Scripture. 1 John chapter 4, verses 17 and 19. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. It says, and as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. That word perfect does not mean without mistake. The word perfect there means mature, complete, 
full or knowing how much you are truly loved. It says, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in the world. Verse 18, such love, God's love, loving like God, mature love has no fear. Because perfect love or mature love, complete love, when you know how much you are loved, it gets rid of all of the fear. And it says, if we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And it shows that we have not fully experienced God's perfect love. And the reason why we can experience this love first vertically is so that we can then express it horizontally. Verse 19, we love each other because, because God first loved us. Without an accurate picture of God's true love and how he's wired you and how he's made you and how uh, he has given you, he has spared no expense by freely giving you his son. That revelation alone should, should help us to have an excellent foundation in the horizontal relationships of life. Mm. If we then translate what we just read into natural relationships, how does this look in natural relationships? Wherever, wherever we're in a relationship, whether it's a colleague or a co-working relationship, or whether it's a romantic relationship, um, every person wants to know, am I loved in this moment? Do you really love me? And if I have any questions, whatever level of questioning you have of love is the introduction of fear in your life. And fear brings torment or pain. And that is where the statement comes, hurting people hurt people. So when someone is hurting someone, it's not all the time that they are malicious, but that they are afraid and they're trying to put up self-preserving mechanisms to keep people away. Yes. But when someone is reminded how much they're loved for, mm. how, how much they're cared for, it helps to calm down the fears in the relationship because fear is what activates the triggers to the trauma in your life. Triggers and traumas going and dating myself, the best first person shooter video game <laughs> is not Fortnite, okay. it is not Call of Duty, it is 007 GoldenEye <laughs> on Nintendo 64. That is the game that started them all. You need to, if you're playing any other video games, you need to pay homage to your forefather on N64 and understand how amazing that game was for the time that it came out. My favorite weapon on GoldenEye was what was called the Proximity Mine because the Proximity Mine got you and you didn't know it was going to get you. It was a mine that you set it and forget it. You would leave the mine on the ground, on the wall, on the toilet stall. Y'all know who played in the facility. I'm dating myself, but we having a conversation. 90s and 80s babies unite. <laughs> <laughs> this mine was unique because you didn't need to stand around to detonate it. 
And our trauma and our trigger is a lot like the proximity mines <laughs> that it detonates and you didn't know it was still there. So the lesson we have to learn is that when we're triggered, what do we do? What helps me to be aware or how to create a roadmap to when I'm triggered, what needs to be resolved in my life so I don't keep going off or blowing up on the relationships around me? Sometimes when you've been in dysfunction for so long, healthy seems abnormal. So we start to self-sabotage so we can feel like what things used to feel like, if, if that makes sense. Like, you find yourself opening up, and before you could ever give it a real shot, you're trying to tear it down, and you're creating these self-fulfilling prophecies that nobody wants to be around me, nobody loves me. And when you finally have somebody showing up that loves you and wants to be around you, you're the one creating a situation that don't nobody want to be around. This is why it's important that we always take inventory of where we are mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Um, we talked about life issues escaping, and that's exactly what happens with the proximity mind. I don't know nothing about no, no video games, so I couldn't relate. But I understood the, the, the gist of when you are triggered, you don't even know what's coming. And most of the time, you're already in it by the time you realize, oh, man, <laughs> I, really, uh, I really went there. I snapped, didn't I? I uh, <laughs> but, but you're already there. But what we have to protect ourselves from and prevent ourselves from doing is creating a, an isolation barricade around us where, yes, we were hurt. You can heal. And let me just say this. It wasn't always your fault that you got hurt, but it is your responsibility to heal. You've got to heal. Because otherwise, you're going to bring that same baggage that you're carrying to the next relationship, to the next relationship. And you're going to say, why are these people crazy? Well, who's the common denominator? Amen. And so we have to stop pointing the finger like this and go, well, maybe, maybe it's me. And be honest with ourselves about where we are and get the help we need. So before we move to the next section, this is like class today. We, need, we have a relationship master class today. We're going to close out this section and then we'll move on to the next one. So before we close out on this section again, what is the number one desire for most people in relationships? All right, and what is the number one fear of most people in relationships? All right, let's All right. move forward. So we're going to now talk about the four primary emotional needs of every person. Four primary emotional needs of every person. And these are in no particular order. These are just four uh, that we were able to pick up from various journals and, and um, life and reading and all this fun stuff. So number one, the first primary emotional need of every person that we have on this list is in the place of belonging. belonging. Do I belong? And not in the way that you want me to belong, right. but in the way that I am uniquely wired. It answers the question, am I accepted without judgment for who I am? And it's more of when I looked up belonging, you know, it's not necessarily a practical, tangible thing, but it's more a sense of a feeling that you have. So it's a sense of fitting in or feeling like you're an important member of the group that you're in. Belonging. When I looked up belonging, I realized that in order to cultivate 
and create a sense of belonging, we must cultivate conditions that make a sense of belonging possible. What does that mean? That means that we talked about everybody has differences, right? And they're going to be different from you. That's just people. People are different. That's a good thing. <laughs> but we have to then say, okay, I know this is different, but how can I cultivate an environment where people that look different than me, that act different than me, that believe different than me, still feel like they're, they belong here? That takes work. That's not passive. <laughs> like you just can't be like, okay, you part of us. No, 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 no. <laughs> like you, you really have to work at this and work at cultivating a sense of belonging. So I have three things here of how to cultivate belonging. Because I feel like you got to be practical with this, right? Like I, right. we can't just say, oh, yeah, we're going to do that. <laughs> and we don't know how to do it. Because most of us, our isms come into play. What are our isms? Our things that we don't like. Our pet peeves. Our pet peeves. The, I wish a person would. Oh, Lord. See? See? Or they don't do it how I do it, so no, you know. Mm -mm. Cultivating belonging has three points to it. If you're going to cultivate belonging with someone, you're going to have to, one, acknowledge present pains of a person. This is why I think you know, not even on this subject, but this is why I think uh, diversity, and equity, and inclusion um, training is so important. Absolutely. That's why it's fought mm. at every turn. It's given all type of bad rap. It's, it's borderline in the church deemed uh, unbiblical, mm. unethical. But all diversity, equity, inclusion is saying is I want to give you the tips and the techniques so that you can make sure that you can be like Jesus and God who said, I love the whole world. Whole world. That's called the gospel of inclusion. Yes. And that he I, actively broke down the, the barriers. In all that we've been studying all in Ephesians. And so in our society, everyone is looking for monocultural, multi-ethnic. Mm. Meaning, no matter what you look like, I want you to act a certain way. Act like me, though. <laughs> I want you to act like act me. Act like me. And whatever that action is, often with the dominant group. Yes. And so, it is not a compliment to say that America is a melting pot. Because when you say that America is a melting pot, you're saying you take all of the uniqueness around the world and you melt it down until it looks like this one homogenous blend. And it erases stories, it erases yeah, history, it erases needs, and yes. it forces people to live in a way that isn't true to who they are, and therefore having to put on a mask and never really belonging. So America, it should not be a melting pot, and a church should not be a melting pot. We are called to be a mosaic. And no matter what you are, red, yellow, black, and white, we are all precious in God's sight. Right, yes, and we have we all of our issues that we need the grace of God to help us work through. And that's when the church can be what God has called it to be. That is belonging. Amen. Oh, I'm out here now. Yeah, you, that's, you are. That's black people belonging. That's white people belonging. That's men belonging. Yep. That's women belonging. 
Because Younger the church don't want to talk about how patriarchal it's been and it's kept women under. It, it looked like it picked up the book at Ephesians 5.22 with the wife submitting. Missed a whole verse in verse 21. It said, Submitting. each of us are to submit one to another. We both have to submit. Yes. We all yes. have to submit. Yes. Amen. And doggone it. Church is hard. Mm. And if I'm going to be in the game, I'm going to be all the way in, in. the game. Yes. I want to be the church that Christ is looking for without spot or wrinkle or blemish. And the only way we can be the glorious church is if we own up to the stuff we didn't get right. Amen. Amen. We, we, we don't educate ourselves on a changing culture and we hold to this archaic revelation of the Bible that you think you know. And then have the nerve to exclude people because of their sins. Mm. Mm. Jesus didn't die for a select group. No. He died for the whole body. Yes. And he died before we even knew he died for us. Which means Ephesians 1, 4, and 5 Let's go put that up on the screen. Mm -hmm. That even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. Before he created this earth, we were his priority of inclusion. Yes. Yes. We couldn't have earned that type of acceptance. We were to be holy. Mm -hmm. So he created this world with us in mind to create an environment, as you're talking about, he then cultivated through a relationship with Holy Spirit a place where we could belong in him, where he's called us to be holy and to step our game up. So although we have an environment where he includes us, his love promotes us to be the best version of ourselves that we could be. See, belonging just doesn't tolerate foolishness. That's true. But love empowers people to heal in the darkest areas. A lot of the malicious behavior and the addictive behavior and the terrible behavior that you are experiencing are a result of unresolved pain in your life. Do you realize that when you truly have a sense of fulfillment that your temptations aren't around? Mm. So a lot of times, sin is pain. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times the church compounds on the pain by pushing people further instead of bringing them closer. Yes. And that's all I'm going to say right now. Amen. Because you went on, went on out there. Before we move to the, to the second point, I do want to do the three points. Because I, I, I did number one and you just. I'm sorry. You took it there. So, <laughs> so for your note's sake. I'm going to stand one, in the corner. <laughs> How do we cultivate this belonging? Number one, we acknowledge the present pains. And I think you, you spoke on that, babe. Number two, we acknowledge past wrongdoings. It's interesting when, when you know, there has been a broken trust in a relationship, no matter if that's a friend or romantic or whatever, we tend to want to, if we've messed up, put that behind us. Well, well why Let's we not bring that up. It? Yeah, why, why we got to visit that? 
Now let's move forward. Let's move forward. We're here now, so let's keep going. Uh Uh-uh. You're going to answer? We got to step all the way back to where the trust has been broken. We have to answer that first. Then we together can move forward. Because in the relationship, the one who did the mistake, y'all, they've already moved forward. It's the one that had the trust betrayed. They're back here still. But I moved beyond that. That was like two days ago. Why you keep bringing up the past? I'm a changed man. I don't do that no more. My cell phone off now. How? But this is just not on romance. This is just friendships too. Y'all know friends that have broken trust with you all. Maybe they owed you money. Maybe they let's not. Ooh, that money thing is big. Ooh, don't bring but, that up. But you know, whatever it was, and they want to say, okay, but we here now. Let's 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 roll. We we good. We're not good. And if we're the one that has broken the trust. We have to take responsibility for that action, take accountability, and apologize how that person receives it, start from there, and then walk forward. That's right. Amen? I want to add this. Yes. Because you talked about when somebody wants to keep rebuilding trust. If someone has not submitted to a structured plan, they aren't serious about wanting to rebuild trust. No. They're just remorseful of how they are living at the moment. But when you're serious about rebuilding something that was broken, you're willing to submit yourself to a structured plan of accountability so that you can ensure that you're modifying behaviors because the moments and the temptations are gonna present themselves again. So if your trust has been betrayed, I don't hear anything you have to say until I see you change your life and the structure around it. If you got the same friends that led you in the same situation and you got the same connections talking about I'm a changed person, that is a lie and you are lying to you. Get honest with yourself. Say, I feel real bad. I wish you would start talking to me again, but you aren't. And I just (laughs) want you to come back and go through the same cycle over and over and over and over and we're 10 years into this thing going through the same motion no at some point you got to say enough Enough is enough enough. I am accepted by God and I deserve to be treated and I am worthy of love because the creator of the universe was willing to love me you have to teach people how to to treat treat you. you Or they will treat you the way in which they think they believe you need to be treated. That's not what the Bible says. You need to let people know what you said that was disrespectful. I'm going to give you one more time. You need to watch your mouth. Like you need to tell people. I will not tolerate the disrespect. Stop walking around and telling me, well, you know, the Bible said to turn the other cheek. Yeah, the other cheek shows that I got another side. Listen. <laughs> but it does open the door for abuse. It does. If, if someone keeps having doing the same pattern over and over and over again and there has been no change, what they, ain't, ain't that called insanity? Insanity. That you, you expect a different result, but it's the same thing keep happening. So at some point, if the vicious cycle is going to stop and the other person ain't doing it, it's got to be you that stands up and says, you know what, this is not happening anymore. Not, not because I don't love you, but because I love me too much. And you have to love yourself in order to love others correctly. 
The Bible says, love your neighbor, what? How? As you love yourself. If I don't love me, there's no way I can love you. I can't give what I, I don't have. That's right. I have to love me in order to love you correctly. That's right. Amen? So, so what happens when we don't have this sense of belonging? What does that introduce into the equation? So a sense of belonging. So the more we don't have a, that, that sense, it introduces a greater opportunity to people please. Ooh, child, I'm going to get me a drink of water on that. It's about to get real people hot up here. People Anybody else warm? <laughs> just me? If oh, this is your issue, just look straight ahead. Don't look. Don't nobody got to know. Just look straight ahead if this is your issue. But people pleasing. <laughs> Amen. I'm going to get comfortable because it's about to get good. Well, you know. Praise the Lord. I mean, I'll take her her water too. All right, go Thank ahead. You appreciate that. Teach, <laughs> baby. Go ahead. I'm, I'm going to be right back. People pleasing. What does that mean? What does that look like? It means you honor the opinions of people over the truth of God's the word. truth of what God has called you to be. Mm. And so as harsh as that sounds, we tend to do this a lot. We tend to, if we're in a working situation, and let's say all the guys do this, well, you want to be one of the guys. So what do you go do? You go do, okay. <laughs> you go do what they do. Knowing that's not your regular MO. That's not how you move. That's not how you operate. But since I'm in this group of people and I want to fit in. You know you do don't have no do. money to go to brunch. What you doing? What you you doing? on a budget. See, your budget, how your budget was set up. You, 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 okay. you, you can't afford that, but we going, okay. And now you spending $70. <laughs> At home stressed all week. Because you like, I want to hang for the mimosa brunch. Uh-huh. And, and, and we're making light of it, but it's, it's true. Even in relationships, you know, mm -hmm. if, if, if speaking for women, if, if a guy likes, you know, certain type of this, certain type of that, now you chameleon, shape-shifting yourself. You about to pass out, got that corset tied so tight, <laughs> trying to have an hour, and he looked like three bowling balls put together. And you trying to hurt yourself, get all these injections, and make yourself BBL, lighter, make yourself darker, all buying all this hair you ain't got no business buying at one time. Well, we gonna talk about it. And the thing is- Can, we, not, can we tell the truth in church? Yeah, we go, we're gonna talk about it. And the thing is, you know, if you like having bundles, wear your bundles, ladies, wear and wear them bundles. proudly. That's that, do you? But what I'm saying is, if you're doing this to be uh, to be pleasing to someone else, or if you're doing this because you know you want to look like a certain whatever, and that's the, you have to ask yourself, what am I doing this for? Check your motive. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are in and of yourself. You are beautiful, ladies. Every single one of you are beautiful. But the thing is, you've got to believe that about yourself. But if you're chameleon, what do we call it? Being a chameleon, dimming your light. You know, some women in, in the workplace and some, even some men, you know, you find, especially, you know, uh, certain, certain, <laughs> amen, I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying to stay politically correct here. But you know, in, in certain positions that you find yourself in, maybe you do have ideas that you necessarily are, maybe sometimes you feel afraid to say because those, your boss or whomever, 
didn't have the idea. So you start dimming your light. Well, maybe, well, you know what, maybe I'm just going to hush my mouth. Maybe I'm just going to not do it. Maybe I, maybe I shouldn't. God's called you higher. He's just called you higher. You'll condition yourself to mediocrity trying to please the wavering opinions of others. And God has called each of us higher into yes. new levels in him because he's the one that has chosen us. Let's do number two, and we're yes. going to close for the day. We only got, to, yeah. we only got the I'm, two out the four. We're going to be up here a while, ain't we? I'm going to try not to. She said, I said, this is going to be a four-week series. She said, it's going to be a three-week series. It's going to be a four-week series. Let's do number two. So this is now, so we talked, what was the first primary emotional need? Belonging. Belonging. Number two, the second primary emotional need is identity. And this answers the question, do you value me the way that I am? Do you value me the way that I am? We have an internal desire to be uniquely needed and uniquely known. We do not internally believe that we are just like everyone else. And God has wired us that way. In fact, all the way down to our fingerprint. Mm -hmm. Your fingerprint is unique. There will be another, never will there ever be another person with the fingerprint that you have on your hand in the entire history mm. of humanity. In the eyes of God, he has called you. He has separated you for the work he has for you. And you have to be convinced in the calling of God. First Peter 2 and 9, it says, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests. You are a holy nation. You are God's very own possession. As a result, so he didn't just give us this identity to just simply toot our own horn. But it's to do good works. It says, as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness. He's chosen you out of darkness. He's created you out of darkness. He's identified you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Your identity determines your behavior. Who you believe you are is how you'll conduct yourself. Mm -hmm. And this is the primitive understanding of identity, is that you are valued by God just the way you are. And it's amazing that Satan knows that, and the, the biggest trick he still has, and he still does, you know, because ain't nothing new with Satan, right? He do the same old, same old. But the thing he still does is he goes after your identity. Back in the garden, when it was Adam and Eve, and, you know, they were, they were hanging out, he came to them and says, are you really like God? What was he doing? Questioning her to the core of who she was. God says, I've made you in my image and in my likeness. So why would you even question that you're not in my image? Why would you even question that you're not like me? But he says, are you really like God? 
And that's what he'll continue to do to every believer. That's his, that's his number one thing. Go after, well, are you really? And, and you know what? He typically does it after we had a low moment. Let me just be very honest with us. Anybody had a low moment before? Low moment? Okay, so I'm not alone. We messed up real bad either the day, the day before, the week before, the whatever. And we hit our prayer time. And then here comes, here comes a little thought in our head. Well, you know, God might be a little mad at you because you know what you did. So maybe you can't pray too big. You call yourself a child of God after that? Or how about this? You want to go to church after that? You want to go to church and lift holy hand after that? And see, and that's how he'll get you. He will stop you in the very thing that's needed for you to do because he's coming after your identity. And Christ already said, before the world was formed, before you could even do a sin, he says, I got you. You belong. I've accepted you. I've called you my royal priest. I value you as my own possession. God already told you how he felt about you before you ever hit the scene. But here we are, one mistake, letting the enemy bow us over. And you know that it's the enemy when you have shame. Mm. Are you shameful about it? You know it's the enemy when you have fear about it. And you know it's the enemy when you have guilt. If you carry that, that ain't nothing godly about that. God convicts. He never condemns. Conviction means you know you could do better. I've I've raised you to do better. I've taught you to, to do better. That's God. Condemning means, oh, I'm a failure of the world. Oh, this is over. Oh, I can't do it anymore. I'm I'm just a bad Christian. See, you didn't identify with something that ain't even you over a moment. Join me on your feet today, you all. We're going to just put a plug right here in this message. Instead of identifying with your past or your bad behaviors, How hard is that you would build your identity around what God has said about you? A practical way that you can do that, especially in the New Testament, is do a search for every verse that has in him, in Christ, in whom. That is God speaking life over you and telling you who you were already wired to be in him. As we were making and putting this message together, I couldn't help but think there there are some of you who have heard some very damaging words spoken over your life. Some very painful statements spoken toward you that have affected your ability to believe. It's affected your ability to really see yourself the way that God sees you. If you're honest, those words are even playing and repeat whenever you're trying to take a step forward. Whenever you're trying to make progress, you're just hearing those those words. And it might even be words that are coming from you. Doesn't matter what anybody says about you. What are you saying about you? And our prayer is that you're saying what God is saying about you. If you all